do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 534. Mm. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, on today's show, we're going to read an interesting email from one of our listeners. Um, I don't know how to tease it. How would you tease that well, letter? I think that the reason we're going to talk about it is because it's got some elements of self-compassion that we can talk about. We've got some elements of partnership yeah. and marriage. Uh, we get a lot of judgment, texts and emails about how do I get my partner to understand me or us or parenting. And, um, and it's a beautifully written email. Sure, it, it, it is. And I think we can touch on a lot of things. So yeah, so buckle up. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this podcast. Oh, good. Uh, a few things. <clears throat> we have a conference this weekend. Shape Indeed. up or ship out, everybody. Yes. Uh, if you want to come, uh, go to zenparentingradio.com. And so here's the thing. So, you know, when the it gets closer, the conference, people are like... I wanted to go, but on Saturday, I have something at 1. Johnny's got karate at 10 a.m. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's Friday night, and it's all day Saturday. So you can come, <clears throat> if you want to, for the you know parts that you want to come to. Like if you can come Friday night and then uh, Saturday morning through 1, and if you want to do that, you can get a one-day ticket. Like this is the thing is we have – this year we have all sorts of options. So when people say, oh, I wanted to come, but I have something at – Five on Saturday. We're like that. Yeah. That doesn't. We can, we can make it easy. We can make it easy on you. And um, and if you're like, I don't know how to do that, just um, email me at um, or email Todd at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com because that's the easiest. And then um, we also have you have some spaces in your pre-conference workshop. Yes, I sure do. I think I do too because two people are not coming now. So anyway, we and teens are only twenty five dollars. Yeah. We're going to be talking about things that are kind of difficult to talk to teens about like sex education and anxiety and and so if you want your teen to hear this too bring, bring them bring him or her yes it's going to be great it's a um, great weekend aside from that we're going to have a zen talk uh on march 2nd which is two days after the conference we did zen talk number 77 these are the three topics we talked about uh, one of our listeners has an eight-year-old son who is a highly sensitive perfectionist. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, another uh, Team Zen member who has an eight-year-old daughter who lacks self-confidence. And then lastly, we had a wife who doesn't know how much to communicate about her teenage daughter's sexuality with her partner. It's so funny because all of these topics that you just read, we're going to talk about all of those at the conference. Yeah. So that's Zen Talk number 77. So we have 77 of these things. It's a live podcast. Listeners, um, look at us on Zoom video, and we do our best to answer and support one another. Um, on March 10th, we have a screening of the Bystander Moment in Downers Grove. This is all on our website. Uh, there's a virtual tribe meeting on March 11th, uh, and then we have a in-person tribe meeting on March 18th. Um, and... That's for any man anywhere in the country who wants to be a part of our mission, which is live in a more harmonious world by deepening connections amongst men. You, you missed March 12th. We're doing a sex talk on March 12th. Yeah, that wasn't on our events page. I got to figure that huh. out. Yeah. I, well, we I, are. I think there's a glitch. So yeah, sex talk, where's that at? Uh, that's the Lions Township. LT. Yeah. Uh, March 12th. So that'll be good. And then... Um, Frank and I are going to be at 1440 on April 3rd through April 5th. And then you and I are going to be at 1440 October 23rd through the 25th. So all on events. All on events, Paige. Um, so before we get into it, uh -huh. I, I, 
this is a Tuesday morning inspiration, if you're listening to this when we release it. Oh, right? okay. I was going to say uh, it's Monday. I know. One of my friends uh, sent this to me. It's going to take about 45 seconds to read, but it's good. Okay. Look at you. You're going... When you read long things. It's a mistake to think time is going, sweetie. Time is not going. Time is here until the world ends. It is you that is going. Mm. You don't waste time. You waste yourself. Time is infinite. You are finite. It is you that grows old and dies. Time doesn't. So make better use of yourself before you expire. And one of the worst things to do with time is comparing yourself to others. A cow eats grass and gets fat, but if dog eats grass, it will die. Never compare yourself with others. Mm. Run your own race. What works for one person may be that which kills you. Focus on the gifts and talents you have and don't be envious of what others have. Both lions and sharks are professional hunters, but a lion cannot hunt in the ocean and a shark cannot hunt in the jungle. That a lion cannot hunt in the ocean doesn't make him useless, and that a shark cannot hunt in the jungle doesn't also make him useless. Both have their own territory that they can do well. If a rose smells better than tomato, sweetie, doesn't mean that a rose can make better stew. I just got you roses. Yes, and I'm not making them into stew. Don't try to compare yourself to others. You have your own strength. Look for it and build on it. Never look down on yourself. Keep looking up. Oh, and then remember that broken crayons still color, so keep on pushing. You can never tell how close you are to your goal. What do you think? I think that's beautiful, and I think it's all true. It's the, um, it's the reminds me of the Einstein quote that everybody is a mm, genius. Yes. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing it's stupid. There you go. That and, is one of the beautiful, more beautiful quotes. Well, and first of all, I want to go back. Do dogs die if they eat grass? They eat too much of it, probably. They huh. don't, they don't, yeah, if that's all they so, eat. So, meaning like a cow eats grass and that's it's what sustains the cow. Yeah. But a dog eating grass, its body can only tolerate so much. Right, and it, it needs other types of nutrients for it to live. To live, got it. Okay, now I understand. I just got really sick. It's not like it's poisonous. Right. It's like they need to eat dog food. Right, they need different nutrients. Uh, Minerals like we can't eat krill all day. Is like krill fish. that little fish thing? Yes, we yeah. have to have other things. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a good, um, Isn't that nice, it is nice and it makes a lot of sense. And what we do doesn't make sense. Um, comparing ourselves to others, I do a lot of that. Well, and you, the beginning of it was about time, yeah. That and was nice too. I also think that the thing that makes us causes our struggles is our belief system that we need to fit within a certain time frame mm. or that we have to do things in a certain specific way. And if we can't do it that way, then we're failing. And, you know, even structures of, um, you know, like even structures of like, we'll have events and we're like, if we don't go, the world falls apart. Or, you know, if my kid is sick today, then it's going to be bad for school or, um, I have to go on a vacation. It, it, it basically, what I'm trying to say is that we, in our minds, create of how we think things should go. And maybe it's because people have told us that. Mm. Maybe people have told us you can't miss this or you have to do this or this is necessary. But the truth is we make all that up. And if we could give ourselves more space and room, we could actually enjoy things better. Yeah. We could actually not suffer mm. as much. Um, we could, and that's kind of, you know, we'll talk a little bit about self-compassion today with this um, letter, but a lot of our suffering is I planned things to go this way and they didn't go this way. Therefore, I'm suffering. Yeah. 
our belief system is that whatever we decided in our mind should be how it should go, and that's not life. What about the end? Remember that broken crayons still color. That's kind of cool. So keep on pushing. Well, and and here's the thing: is we're all broken, and we're supposed to be. When we say things like "Oh, we're broken," it's not like we are now not valuable. Yeah, I use the word wounded. Yeah. Versus broken. And and I'm getting to the point of like we're all human. Yeah. Because if you walk through life and you don't have any challenges that break your heart or, you know, test your body or test your mind, um, then you're not living a human experience. Yeah. You're in a box or in a bubble somewhere. Yeah. And so it's the whole idea of being a messy person is um, is like understanding our humanity. Yeah. And when we understand ourselves as messy – we're less judgmental of other people because we all evolve at different times and at different speeds. And we can very easily see ourselves in others. Like that was me a few years ago or, or that person really understands something I don't understand yet. Like we're not all supposed to be for the, you know, the other part of that thing that you read at the same place at the same time. We all have kind of different ways of getting all different. We're on all different points on our path, which is our journey and we're all on different paths. Right. So then can you understand why what I was saying before about everyone needs to fit in this box in school mm. or everybody needs to enjoy this movie or everybody needs to follow these rules and go to this college? That doesn't make sense. Because right. if you if you embrace the idea that we're all different and that we're all, you know, kind of working on different energy and have different talents and have different ideals, then of course we're not all going to fit in the same box and the same things aren't going to work for us. And this is even in our own home. If you have more than one child, they are not the same. And you, and telling them that they should be the same as another one because another one did it and they didn't, whatever that is, not only is that unfair, but that's short-sighted. You're, you're missing your child in front of you. You're, you're trying to make them something they're not. Um, you can offer them inspiration, of like that whatever they want to do is possible. I'm not saying that they don't have the ability to achieve certain things. It's that maybe their path to it is different. Yeah. So. Um, one thing I forgot to say is this Wednesday we have a pop culturing episode. Yes. On a movie called Almost Famous. And I'm going to play a clip of Russell on a rooftop. And you're going to tell me when to stop it. Okay. okay? I will. I am a golden god! Yes, you are. Hey, Russell, don't jump. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were... (laughs) I'm on drugs. (laughs) Is that good? That's good. I mean, I like the rest where he says, I dig music. But nobody likes that part. Uh, so, yeah, Kathy and I go back and forth on that for about an hour, starting this Wednesday. Yeah, um, Almost Famous is, um, it. we had deep talks about how it's kind of one of those movies that gets better and better each time you watch it. So if you've only seen it once and you're like, eh, I recommend watching it again. Yeah, and then listen to the podcast. I would. One thing I don't think we talked about, because we recorded it about a week ago. Uh-huh. There's that part, tell me if we talked about it, there's that part where Russell gets mad at William right after that scene and like... Yes. Did we talk about that on the podcast? Uh -uh. Uh Because that always confused me. Well, he's on drugs, hon. I know, but he's so peaceful to everybody else. What, why does, why does... Well, he's paranoid in that moment. I just think that it's the, he's, he's, 
he's li- he was a, he just jumped from a roof. So yeah. it's not like he's in his right mind. Yeah. Haven't you ever you and I know you have. Haven't you been with someone when they're drunk or when they've you know done drugs and they're volatile? Yeah. You I know guess they're so. fine and then they're not. Yeah, I, I guess so. I was there for a lot of those experiences. <sighs> not from you necessarily, yeah. but I've seen people do that. Okay, so um, let's jump into it. Okay. Um, this is from a woman who listens to our podcast okay. who's married. Hi, Kathy and Todd. You often make references to yourself and the way you used to be and used to be earlier in your marriage. Less emotionally available, less attuned, more reactive. Um, and as you read it, stop at certain parts. I will. Okay, because if you read it all the way through, it's too much. I am very interested in learning more about what the process of becoming more emotionally attuned and available has looked like for you. Specifically, what supported you in that process? What things did Kathy say or do that were helpful? What things did she say or do that weren't helpful? Um, so I feel like we should stop there. Okay. Um, that's a good question. Like, first of all, I got so much more work to do on myself, and I'm, there's no end destination. But yes, I do believe that I am more emotionally available, I am more attuned, and I am less reactive now than I was 10 years ago. Right. What did you do? I think you gave me gentle nudges towards... Uh, something, but you first worked on yourself. Like you modeled it beautifully. You were seeing a therapist, you were seeing a body worker, you were reading books. And I kind of felt like I was getting passed up a little bit. Like, wow, if I'm going to stay connected to this woman, I better kind of at least put my feet in the water of the world that she has submerged herself in. Mm -hmm. So you modeled it beautifully. Because I think a lot of wives come to us and say, you know, I, I'm doing all the work and I need my husband to do the work. And while that's true, I think a lot of times when we say we're doing the work, we're just really kind of starting to do the work and not practicing it. Do you Correct. know what I mean? That's what I would say is that there is a difference between reading books and having a good idea. And then when you have the good idea, you say, yes, my husband needs to hear this. Yeah. If you are reading a book, it needs to be for you and you need to find yourself in whatever you're reading or practicing Mm. because the truth is is when you practice something you have more compassion for the person in front of you Mm. if you I have a lot of friends who do this they will go to a workshop or they'll you know read an article and they'll be like my friend needs this my husband needs this my kid needs this if that is the way you're functioning then you are missing yourself you you have this is the you can't change other people but you can change your reaction, response, um, or I'll just say your response and your viewpoint mm-hmm. on another person. And again, I say this a lot. Marianne Williamson, or I should say The Course in Miracles, um, says that a miracle is a shift in perspective. So as soon as you see something differently, the way you respond to things are different. If you are like, I read this book and I'm going to convince my husband or my kids to do this thing and I'm going to do one, two, three magic and then everything's going to change, then you're still doing the surface work. The idea is if you start to become more understanding of yourself and your flaws and your wounds and your history and why you are the way you are, then you can see everybody through those glasses. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that everything's easy. It's just your whole concept of people changes. Instead of my children are trying to manipulate me, you say, 
what what are they struggling with? Because I know I'm struggling with certain things. So what is it? What are their fears? Because mm. I'm working on my fears. Do you see? It's such a difference in the world is against me yeah. versus I know how I operate. So I'm curious how this person in front of me operates. And I know what motivates me. So I am going to, and when I say motivates, I'm not talking about like to clean the house. I'm talking about to make someone feel more seen or more, you know, if you know that gratitude, if someone offering you gratitude really helps you feel more seen, then you start doing that for other people. And it may not work in exactly the same way because we all have different love languages. Um, You know, like for me, words are important. Um, where I know for Todd, they're not as important, but even just being curious about what does mean something mm. to you. And then that's so different than how do I change this person? Cause what do you want to change them to? So let me jump in there. Okay. So to reinforce what you're saying, and this is the last line that I just read, what okay. things did she say or do that weren't helpful? Um, the one thing I would like to say to that is it's from what energy, if you're trying to get your husband to read a book or listen to a podcast or meditate with you or whatever, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things, but it depends at from what energy that is taking place from. If you're doing it to fix your husband, it's not a good place. If you're doing it to support and love your husband, then it is okay to do that. Yes. And I think a lot of the times, the in this case, the wives are trying to fix their husbands and husbands do not want to be fixed. Um, Husbands want to be loved and supported. And you could say the same thing, you know, husbands to wives and all that. But uh, it's it's not what you say, it's how you're saying it. So uh, can I go on to the next paragraph? Please, yeah. I say this because my marriage is at a make or, bake, make or break point right now. I love my husband so very much, and I know he loves me. But I'm not getting the emotional availability, reciprocity, or disclosure that I need to be satisfied in my relationship. I am taking space and sleeping in our guest room right now and have been for the last few days. Should I keep reading or you want to stop there? Um, No, go ahead. This morning, I did not follow my therapist's advice and instead of saying nothing and containing my charge about a particular issue, I flew off the handle at my husband. As usual, he froze. He said nothing. This time, though, he seemed a little off. Then he sat on the bed, then he started to sweat, his thumb twitched, his leg muscles tensed, then his eyes dilated and he fainted. Hmm. It was so scary, I got a washcloth and wiped his face and his neck. Okay, so right there is a, um, you know, that's where we get curious. And I know as you'll keep reading that she is curious about that. It's not that she isn't and she was very loving about it but the the process and it's a process because it's not going to be one conversation is that's such an opening of of tell me about this this is not are you okay what's wrong oh my god what's wrong because that makes somebody go into i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine Mm. it's instead that was really interesting Mm. like what what did that bring up or Um, did that like remind you of something from, and again, this sounds so therapeutic, but Todd and I talk this way a lot. Like, did that remind you of something that happened in the past? Like what, when you froze, was it so scary because you felt like you were like, 
I don't want to give you the exact words because everybody communicates with their partner differently, but that is an opening. Mm-hmm. That's not something where you go, oh, now we're really in trouble. Yeah. That's actually something where you go, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah. What am I triggering in you? And you don't have to use the word trigger, but what did that bring up for you? And I'm sorry that I scared you like yeah. that. Um, well, what I think is interesting about it is that she was triggered and pissed and then he faints and then love and compassion comes, as you'll see right. when we keep reading. But really, nothing changed. I mean, maybe a little more evidence, which is, wow, he got affected by right. my reactivity. Right. But it's so funny how as human beings, really n- nothing changes, yet everything changes. Like, she went from annoyed and pissed to love and compassionate in a snap. But you know why she did, right? She did because she got scared and she saw that her husband was in pain. And what that means is he was... Vulnerable. Correct. And yes. that's once we get into a situation where somebody in front of us is stripped down and they're more raw, mm-hmm. we have an opening in us to be supportive. The reason that we're not as supportive of certain people is because their defense mechanisms are so strong and their wall is so high that we can't even feel like we can penetrate that. And so we're just bouncing off the wall. Yeah. Like there, there's no vulnerability. There's no willingness to have a conversation there. It's like, they're so shut down. Well, and what a blessing that this guy fainted. Well, and that's what I mean. Like I would, I would be, and he didn't faint from his head. His body said, you know what? This isn't working for me right now. His body became more vulnerable than I think his head allowed him to be. Do you know what I mean? Um, he, his mind betrayed him in that yes. his body took over. Yes. So, it, and again, betrayed sounds negative when really his mind said, I'm going to let go for a little bit because your body is about to like collapse. <clears throat> because what we do is when we, when we stop feeling our body, when we've had enough trauma or wounds and we stop feeling our body, we go into our heads and we try and rationalize and justify and make sense of everything. And we also put up a lot of defensive mechanisms so we don't have to feel what's going on in our body. And what happened is that trigger was so significant for him that his body gave into it. Yeah. And that is interesting. That is like information. That is not, oh no, I'll never do that again. And obviously you would never do that to harm him, but that's your crack. That's well, and the, the crack is like, she started sleeping in a separate bedroom. Yeah, She didn't take her therapist's advice and she flew off the handle, as she says. Mm-hmm. So this is all purposeful. Not like you'd plan it out that Correct. way, but this all happened for a reason because as she says, so I'll keep on going real quick. He regained consciousness quickly and told me he didn't want me to be late for my meeting and thanked me for trying to take care of him. I said, I love you. And he said, I love you too. And she says in parentheses, he has what's called an overactive vagus nerve. So fainting has happened a handful of times in his life before, but he's always attributed to the cause to physical pain. That's why I didn't freak out and call 9-1 or something. But see, physical pain and emotional pain are completely interconnected. Right. So it's not like we we try and separate this mind-body thing. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, that's just something I'm thinking, but this is body and this is me like getting cut by a knife or something. Emotional pain can be just as bad, if not worse sometimes, than physical pain mm-hmm. because it's, you can't see it. Yeah. This is why some kids cut their skin because they are trying to... They have so much emotional pain that they want it visual. They want a release of the pain. Oh, I just ran in my microphone. Um, 
so can we understand that when we're trying to differentiate, well, that's emotional, that's not physical. It's all the same. Pain is pain. And they're interconnected in a way that we can't even, um, you know, like we can have physical pain. Like you can break your arm and not feel it because your mind will take over yeah. and keep, and like take Protect care of you, you. Yeah. put you into shock so you won't feel it for a while. So our body and our mind are like, they're operating together. They're dancing. They're dancing. And so him fainting because of an emotional trigger is completely understandable. Yeah. I think that would happen more often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Than just physical pain. So she says, now I am no expert, but what it looked like I was witnessing was a trauma response. I had a very traumatic childhood that included sustained sexual abuse and emotional abuse, exposure to domestic violence, alcohol, and drug addiction in my home. I have been in therapy for 14 years and working with healing from my own traumas for a long time now. That's great. This is why what I was watching happen to him appeared somewhat familiar. My sister and I have both dealt with trauma responses in ourselves and, and each other as adults recovering from CPTSD. What is that? I know what PTSD is. I don't know what the C stands for. You know what? I don't either off the top of my C hyphen PTSD. Um, so yeah, I think as you look that up, sweetie, um, yeah, I, first of all, bless you for doing your work. Yeah. It sounds like you, the writer of this email has had a long oh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Um, so before we get into that, it sounds like this reader, this mom, this wife has sustained some significant trauma right. and just bless her for, cause as we keep on reading, you'll see that this wife has an extreme amount of compassion, emotional intelligence, something that is not easy to sustain from a childhood of sexual, emotional abuse, domestic violence and so mm -hmm. on. So I just want to bless this woman mm -hmm. for, um, for her awareness. Mm -hmm. So what's so cptsd it just means that there are you know the ptsd in itself is something but there's also other symptoms like you know difficulty controlling emotions um feeling very hostile or distrustful mm -hmm. toward the world so it's just a little more complex you know thus the word okay. c just that it's not sometimes you know here's the thing about anxiety depression ptsd it doesn't always look the same in everybody sure you know and and we like to re and even as a therapist who uses the DSM five to help with diagnoses, which I have my own issues with, but you know, they list here's the symptoms and it, it's not that easy. Yeah. Like things look different depending on the day and the moment and not everything is a disorder. It yeah. can be an experience of a moment. Yeah. So, um, you already, you know, the writer of this is already understanding how complex our system could be. And although yours is more clear to you about the kind of treatment that you require and understanding of your history and how it connects and your partner's experience may not be as clean cut as yours, meaning he may not have the same stories you do or he may not have the same diagnosis or but he has significant wounds and fears that make it more difficult for him to talk about what he needs and to offer you what you need. Now, that doesn't mean it's over. Mm -hmm. It means that's where everything begins. Mm -hmm. it, the belief system, it, like the whole idea of partnership, like, how do I say this? Okay. 
self-help is fantastic and therapy, individual therapy is fantastic. But the truth is, is that the real change comes through relational experiences. If we go out into the world and we read our self-help books and do our therapy, and then we don't run into anybody else, we're going to be fine. But that's not the way things work. We have families, we have children, we have workplaces, and obviously we have our partnership. So we take the information that we learn in therapy and in self-help, and we practice it with the people we're in relationship with. And that's how we heal. Because you, writer, have a history with people that caused you to distrust the world. And it sounds like understandably, Mm -hmm. right? And what you're doing now in the relationships you're in is instead of mimicking your history and repeating the same patterns, you're creating a new pattern to build trust in yourself and the world. That's what we have an opportunity to do every day. So this husband is here, not only, you know, they're in this together, but he's here so she can continue to practice these things and learn more about herself and integrate these ideas and all. So let me go on. Okay. All of a sudden... I'm seeing my partners withholding of um, of emotions in a whole new light. Yes, absolutely. I have told myself throughout a relationship that he is a robot. He has no feelings, and I'm just always wanting him to feel something. Gosh darn it. I actually improvised there. Uh-huh. And this morning it occurred to me that he has he has never not been feeling. On the contrary, this may be how his body handles so many feelings. No wonder he avoids feelings territory. He has also experienced significant trauma in his childhood. Well, there you go. As I learned from his mom, but has been resistant to talking about anything or going to therapy or getting any kind of support. Now that I am sleeping in the guest room, he has agreed to couples counseling. Yeah. So I feel like this is the most, up to this point, the most important, the one that I felt most connected to, the most important paragraph, because I just feel her compassion Mm -hmm. in this paragraph. His, the husband, in my judgment, shuts everything out. Right. Because it's too much pain to feel anything. Right. And then finally, his body uh, overrode those walls. Or it broke through. Broke mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And now it is giving her an opportunity to see him for who he is. Correct. Which is a wounded, at least a part of him, is a wounded little boy. And this is how his his adult self can navigate through this world. But this is kind of the break in the in the egg. Like this right. is the opening. And I'm sure there's been many, many others, but maybe they've been missed. Yeah. This is the thing is, I, this is what going back to what we talked about at the beginning. He's just a human being. Yeah. He's not wounded and flawed and horrible. He's like all of us because, the, and this is again, a shift that we have to make is that for those of us who walk around who are somewhat self-righteous or judgmental or perfectionistic, you're, you're more insecure than the majority of the population. Yeah. So if you're walking around judging everybody else, then you haven't done your own work. Mm. Because what you really recognize is as you go into your own work of how typical it is to feel shame and how normal it is to be wounded and how a human being has all of these experiences in life that their mind you know, has to process or deal with or has to repress or deny for whatever reason in that moment. And then as you start to work through it, you realize how human that is. And you realize how your emotional, your fear and your, you know, your challenges are just part of the human experience. And so when you're looking at somebody else and saying, 
there's something inherently wrong with them, but I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And she's not doing this. I'm not talking about her. Yeah. But it's not he doesn't feel. All people feel. The more they tell you they don't feel, the more they've put up a barrier Mm -hmm. to that part of themselves. Yeah. And so, and again, here's the thing. This is not, I'm not trying to give marriage therapy and here's what you do and here's how you work out your marriage because what Todd and I did is irrelevant to what the two of you are going to do. Yeah. That we can talk about the content and the context and we can talk about our own situations, but they're never going to overlay perfectly on top of yours Mm. because my issues and my path is different than Todd's and yours and what negative, you know, what breakthroughs that I had then caused breakthroughs or non-breakthroughs for Todd, which gave me information. Do you see how like the, the thing that we can support you in is that these cracks are, you know, as they say, as the, this is how the light gets in. So instead of my husband had this emotional response and fainted, um, and you, to Todd's point, you had a very compassionate response about it, but it's not, oh my God, this is really horrible. And it's never, it's like, no, no, this is the opening and this is where you start the work. You know what I wish? What? I wish that we all had, I don't know, a big piece of masking tape on our chest uh-huh. and it had written down the crap, the traumas that we sustained as children. Right. And I feel like, cause they're all inside of each, I don't care how perfect our parents were. There's always something in there. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it would make, I mean, I'm sure we would numb out to it eventually, but like on the, just let's say like one day a year, everybody walks around with this masking tape and it says sexual trauma, domestic abuse and all that. I think we would be a little bit more kind and compassionate towards one another. Well, at least then we'd be that part. We'd be honest yeah. about that. People who walk around and like, oh, that doesn't bother me or I don't feel that or mm-hmm. that's fine with me or I don't see that baloney Mm. everybody does now your response to it may be healthy like not everybody who feels things has the same response sure like some people's response to fear is fainting Mm -hmm. some people's response to fear is curiosity some people's response to fear is to fight to fight right some people's response to fear is i'm going to slow down and take care of myself so we all feel the same thing but it's how we respond to it mm. that makes the difference. So we're not trying to eliminate fear. We're trying to create a new pathway for fear so we don't be, we're not so reactive. Yeah. And it's the same as shame. Again, reiterating shame, because we talk about it a lot, um, is that shame, everybody has it. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't have the capacity for empathy, which means you're psychopathic yeah. clinically. So you, so you know, don't be like, oh, I don't have any shame because that's not good. Yeah. You don't want to be a psychopath. Um, we all have shame, and the less we talk about it, the more we have, and the more we're able to talk about it, the more it releases, and it doesn't then dictate how we perceive ourselves and others and how we handle our behavior. Bring that shame up to the surface in a safe place. Yes. And here's the thing, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about how things worked out for Todd and I, like, let me give you some examples of things that happened as I worked through shame. And I'm going to go back 10, 15, 20 years. When I first started working through shame and fear and and doubt and all the things I'd repressed, my skin broke out for probably about nine months. Mm. Like my, it was just basically my forehead. Forehead, yeah. Like, it was like third eye. Wasn't like 
pimples. It was just no. like irritation uh-huh. and yeah. it was awful. I yeah. felt awful for you. Yes, it was bad. It was bad. And it was like nine months. And it and like Todd said, it wasn't like, oh, get a new acne regimen. It was like bumps. This stuff's coming out. Yes. It, I had all this stuff. And, and I really attributed it to third eye mm. stuff because it was me seeing again, right? Yeah. I had like blocked in. Yeah. So now it's coming out. Um, I have gotten physically sick, um, you know, to the point where like, you know, grief has caused me to be very sick. Um, I have had depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, like Todd right now has been dealing with some of his own shame. I mean, we don't need to talk about that, but you've gotten physically sick because yes, of it. Yes, I have. Um, and I guess my point is, is that we sometimes the thing that is giving a, is doing the best work for us, meaning our body's releasing. We even try and repress that or feel ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that we, if you are going to dive into those places in your heart and start to feel that compassion, there's a lot of hurt that lives there too. Yeah, and it's going to come out it's in ways you out. could never predict. And you know, this is why people say sometimes you're going to get worse before you get better. Which sucks. It sucks. And I get mad about it. Like I have had, you know, times where I've gone to get acupuncture and then I feel sick afterwards and I'm annoyed because I went there to feel better. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is, is that you are releasing energy that was stuck and now, and and this can be done through this happens to me with chiropractic. This happens with body work. This happens with acupuncture. So Reiki, um, acupuncture therapy. Um, I have to be really thoughtful about when I go to therapy because sometimes it's such a big. And if you have two days of being a full-time mom, it might not be the best moment of time to do that. Like if Todd is out of town, um, sometimes it's not a good idea for me to be like deep into that. Like sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes it just is what it is and you have to kind of roll, roll with it. Um, but I really think that. Do you want me to read the next paragraph? Cause well, it looks it, like you're looking for something. I, I found it. Okay. okay. I knew I'd find it. So this is actually something that Kristen Neff wrote in the mindful self-compassion, uh, self-compassion workbook. She said, most of our hearts are hot with suffering accumulated over a lifetime. To function in our lives, we have needed to shut out stressful or painful experiences to protect ourselves. This means that when we open the door of our hearts and the fresh air of self-compassion flows in, old pain and fear is going to come out. Mm. So this is why we get worse before we get better. Mm. So it's not something we, we again try and deny or repress. And this is where people say, but I got to go to work or, you know, I have to be my best for Friday night or I have a dance or I have a date or I have a, and this is where, this is what I mean about what we talked about at the beginning of the show is we have this narrow belief of, I have to do this and this and this and this, and life doesn't work that way. Well, it's a short-term, long-term thing. Like, yeah, you're going to get worse before you get better many times. But in the long run, if you get this crap out of you, yes. you're going to be a more connected, more whole, more loving, compassionate person. But yes, you might have to miss a half a day of work Correct. or you might have to miss a basketball tournament that your daughter's in. Or, or disappoint somebody because yeah. you have to be with your family yeah. instead of be out for the 50th birthday party or whatever. Like these are these are challenges where we're like, no, I define myself as somebody that actually you could relate to this because you, you you don't do this as much, but I define myself as somebody who shows up for everything. Therefore, I am not going to pay attention to this. I'm just going to keep moving forward and showing up for all the things. And then you are not living in life. You are trying to direct life. Mm-hmm. Living in life is you know, like even your your husband saying to you, I don't want you to miss work. Thank you, go. Mm-hmm. That 
that would be a great, and again, you may not be able to do this, writer. I'm not telling you what you should have done, but if you had any flexibility, that'd be a good time to say, you're more important than work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just sit here mm-hmm. because that is a cr- another crack in you are more valuable than me getting on the highway to go to work. And I will get to work because that's our livelihood. I'm not saying you quit your job. What I'm saying is like, this is something that I say to the kids a lot when they're like, but we're going to be late or we're going to go here. And I'm like, hold on. Priorities. Your emotional well-being yeah. is more important than getting to the birthday party on time. And, I, and I'm and i not worried about what everybody else thinks about my choice in doing that. That in itself is work. I feel like that was the early days of my kids was when I was so concerned about what everybody else thought about my parenting or my choices that I had to really... Um, and this is still, I want to say it's a work in progress. Of course it is, but I'm really not that concerned. Um, meaning that if somebody's like, well, I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, okay. And they may have their own reason. So we have two paragraphs left and you got to leave in like nine minutes. Okay, go ahead. What I want to know is how can I love my partner well right now? Yeah. Obviously I will continue to work on not losing my crap. She says the S word, but I said crap because that obviously shuts him down in a big way. Or opens him up. Yeah, right? Isn't that funny? Yeah. The opposite of the story. Like, maybe you have to lose your your crap. I know. Because that's the only thing that's going to wake him up. And you don't do it to manipulate the system, but right. allow your presence. And right now you're feeling triggered. And that's exactly what I mean about if we, if Todd and I said, here's the outline of what you do. Sometimes your reactive Reactivity. response created a crack and I'm not saying react all over it like it's not ideal right but if it happens what comes of it yes because most of my our big talks are me having some kind of like emotional reaction to something or a breakdown sometimes that's what I need so but I'm not doing it for you I know it doesn't matter I'm but if you continue to just love me and accept me and 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 not, and I don't see your humanity of your annoyances and my inability to take out the garbage or be emotionally available for my kids. And unless I if I martyr out, yeah, yeah. If you hero me and be like, oh, he'll he'll get there when he gets there. Like sometimes I need you to wake my butt up. And let me redefine that. I am not doing anything to wake Todd up. What I'm doing is I am honoring my feelings yes. in the moment and speaking them rather than self betraying. So my goal is because. If if we go at things of I'm going to have an emotional response to wake him up, that is the exact opposite of what is healthy. That is inauthentic. Yeah. That is, I'm going to say these words so you change versus I'm going to tell you how I really feel and be vulnerable and honest. So it's interesting. So she goes on, I want to be able to navigate conflict and have difficult conversations with him skillfully. I cannot and will not do what he was raised to do and what he refers to as the religious cult that he escaped from when he was in his early 30s, which is to shove your feelings down and don't look at or talk about them. I am working hard to resist the urge to try and fix him or save him. She she says, I love playing the hero. Me too, by the way. I'm also feeling the charge around making him the withholding villain dissipating. Of course. What does that mean? Making him the withholding villain dissipating. I am also feeling the charge around making him the withholding villain. She's feeling that dissipate. Oh, she, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. There must be another way I can relate to his experience. This morning, the compassion that I have not been able to access for his, weighing, his way of being in 
the relationship came pouring out of me. I want to know what to do with it and how to love and support my partner without continuing to dismiss my own wants and needs in the process. So my response to the reader in this moment is just to be present. And when you get sad or mad or frustrated or happy, you show him that. But I, you know, she says she has solid these therapeutic terms. I love playing the hero. Like she has a really good understanding of all of this. Right. And I would just say, just be as present as you can with them. And it doesn't mean that you need to make every every interaction clean. But when you no, when, it won't be. when you do quote unquote drop a little line, own it. Like right now, I am in a triggered state. But this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be mean to be honest. But you certainly don't want to sanitize your expression towards him. Not at all. And here's the thing is there's there's two things I want to speak of. The first is that we because we mirror each other, if we approach our partner with vulnerability and truth and rawness, they have more. I'm not saying they're going to absolutely do the same thing because they may not yet have the capacity, but they're much more likely to come at us the same way with vulnerability, honesty, and rawness. If we come at them with the perfect sentence that we wrote, that we read in a book, it's not going to penetrate anything. So this is why Todd and I can talk around this experience and we can talk about our experience, but yours will be your own. And the more you can practice self-compassion, thus the word self-compassion, I was going to say for yourself, but that's Mm -hmm. redundant. The more you can be self-compassionate, the more compassion you will have for him. You, we don't, we try and do things outside of ourselves. Like I'm going to be, be, I'm going to become a better parent by just understanding my kid. I'm just going to focus on my kid. Yeah. You're missing part half of the equation, which is you or a hundred percent to me. You have to be clear about you. Then you have the capacity to understand your kid. If you want to be compassionate, toward your spouse or your partner. You have to practice that in yourself because then what you're reflecting to that person is a heart, uh, is a compassionate yeah. response. You know, we go back to what we said before. You know, if you squeeze an orange, an orange comes out, orange right? Juice. Orange juice comes out, right? <laughs> the orange doesn't come out when you squeeze it. Orange juice comes out. You can't. You have to. Whatever is inside of you is what other people feel. Now, when I say that, remember we're all messy, and yeah. many of us have been traumatized. I'm not saying your trauma always comes out. What I'm saying, whatever you're practicing, yeah. comes out. Yeah. If you are not dealing with your anger, we all have anger, so you know people can squeeze that out of us at times. But how do we deal with it? Are we still reacting and? being violent and aggressive, or do we feel our anger and have a different, more self-compassionate understanding of it? Like this, her question of how do I respond to my husband more compassionately, just keep practicing that in yourself and you will have the space for it and he will feel it from you. He will, without even, without words, it will be felt. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and I guess just to kind of encapsulate what you just said, sweetie, is everything is an inside job. Exactly. We'd look at our kids. We want to fix them. We look at our spouse. We want to fix them. We will look at our boss. We want to fix them. Everything is for us to learn something about ourselves. So we're up against the clock. Okay. I want to read one more thing and then I'm out of here. Oh my gosh. That's what I mean. Okay. So last thing, and then I'll let you close the show. 
So when you bring a compassionate response to a difficult situation, instead of shaming yourself, you're more likely to learn from your mistakes and then proactively work on making changes. And then this is the most important part. A second reason shame is problematic is that it leads to self-sabotage in the ways we're hoping to avoid. When we denigrate parts of ourselves that most need kind attention, those disowned parts of us, they don't go away. They just linger and they'll sabotage us later when we least expect it. And this is why many of us, despite recognizing and verbalizing our flaws, continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over because this, these feelings of shame and these feelings of we keep trying to respond to it the same way, like pushing it away or being angry at ourselves or we witness our partner shut down and we say they're bad, they're wrong, they're the villain versus the compassionate response creates a completely different dynamic in us and with them. So thank you for that letter, listener. Yes, and I thank hope you this so was much. helpful to, even though Todd and I never have, here's the answer. We definitely can be compassionate and curious about your experience. For sure. And hopefully you can do the same for yourself and others. Um, this podcast was brought to you by Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He he built our house, basically, and he redid our kitchen and our basement and our studio. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, give Jeremy Kraft a call, 630-956-1800-avidco.net. Uh, we will see all of you, or no, not all of you, many of you at the conference on Friday. Can't wait. Keep on trucking, Almost Famous on Wednesday, and then we'll be back for more next Tuesday. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking. Mm-hmm.